Yeah, no, it's about life skills. You know, all of the, you know, they always talked about athletics as a metaphor for life and challenges. And, and so if that's really true, then, you know, understanding how mental skills can improve athletic performance should also be a reason or a vehicle to improve coping skills in life. That was 13-year Major League veteran and mental skills coach, Bob Tewksbury. And I'm Brad, and this is Beyond the Big Red Truck Podcast. This is going to be awesome. Just had a great conversation with a new friend and former major leaguer and current mental skills coach for the San Francisco Giants, Bob Tewksbury, or Tukes, as his friends call him and his former uh, teammates and major league baseball players and friends everywhere. That's a great nickname. But anyways, yeah, we just talk about um, Bob's doing some great work. He's kind of a pioneer in this field and he's written a book called 90% mental. You should get the book. I've got the audio version and I also have the hard cover version as well because I enjoyed the book so much. And what was awesome about the audible version is that Bob is actually doing the narration, which I don't know if you've listened to any audio books at all, but it was really cool because it actually felt like you were there with him and that, is something that you don't get when you're just listening to a generic narration of someone else's book. But Bob did his own, and it was awesome, and I highly recommend it. And you can get his book, 90% Mental, on Amazon or wherever you get your books. So in this conversation, we dive into a few topics. We talk about Bob's major league career, little bit on his road to the big leagues um and we talk about his current position with the san francisco giants as mental skills coach which he's truly enjoying he travels with the team when they're on the road and right now we found bob in miami why don't we just get right into this conversation with bob tewksbury former major league baseball player and current mental skills coach with the San Francisco Giants. Enjoy. Time out of your day. I know you're super busy right now, right in season. So I know you're probably, you know, you're working a lot. You're you're down in Miami right now. Sorry about that. I got to turn my ringer off. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, down in Miami on South Beach and. Um, yeah, we lost last night, but uh, we will hopefully uh, get back on track tonight. And um, so, yeah, I'm getting I've got a lot of little stuff going on. So this works out well to move it up a little bit and uh, might go down to the pool, do a little swimming and get ready to go to the park. Yeah, right on. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know if uh, uh, I sent you a little email there just a while ago. Anyways, it was a while ago, but it's amazing. Uh, yeah, you, know, you told me how Some small, how small the world is. You know, I don't, uh, <clears throat> I was just talking to, yeah. Or Franchuk. Yeah. And like I said, he like years ago, that was, this was like in the late eighties when he was a scout for the angels and he was a scout that, uh, you know, offered me a contract and yeah, that's how I got to long beach. And I was going to long beach last weekend to, for my old coach is uh his 90th birthday so anyways it just it's it's kind of amazing uh how small the world is and how uh you know connected that little baseball world even though i wasn't involved obviously at the level that you were but you know still know a lot of the same people because uh you know just of those circles so or yeah. orb's a great guy anyways and uh he spoke yeah i enjoyed working with him he was um he was really into it which helped a lot yeah. Um, he made he made my job a lot easier. Yeah, right on. What's he doing now? Uh he's in uh he's in Edmonton. 
uh, Alberta, uh-huh. Canada. So he's kind of back home, I guess, and and coaching there. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's. Uh, I think he might have even retired once or twice, and then <laughs> and then the game kind of called him back. I think you know. So yeah. So you're in Vancouver, right? Yeah, I'm in Vancouver. So yeah. And what do you, I know? Um, I mean, it's been so long since I we talked to start, but I know what you're doing out there. You have the podcast and what else you got going on? Yeah. You know what? Honestly, uh, like my kind of my, the, the reason why I'm kind of doing what I'm doing right now is, uh, I, I told you a little bit, but you know, I'm currently still employed as a firefighter, but, uh, mm. I was, uh, you know, I was diagnosed with PTSD from, uh, doing my job over, I, I was a firefighter for about 16 years. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was kind of, you know, it, it was one of those things where, you know, you don't really know what's happening, but things are not going well. And it was just kind of going downhill and downhill for a long time. Now that I look back at it, mm. but, uh, yeah. And then, you know, I just one day decided, you know, I just can't do this anymore because my, you know, it's affecting not only you know, my job, but then the, it trickles into the rest of your life. Right. So sure, it was affecting yeah. everything. And so, yeah, I just, you know, I kind of made the call to our EAP program and, and went from there and, and I ended up finding, uh, you know, I, I did a different, a few different therapies, but, uh, I found, uh, an old friend of mine who was a sports counselor. And so I didn't know if he could help me because it wasn't sports related for me. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, I approached him and it was the best thing that I ever did. And so as he's got a program called mental strength training mm-hmm. and he works with like athletes and he works pro- with professional athletes and, and just, is, he, know, is right. he in Vancouver? Yeah. He's in Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. What's and his name? His name's Steven Ragubarsing. So I won't get you to spell that, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's a great guy and, and I, uh, you know, so over this like past year and a half or two years since I've been doing my healing, um, I, you know, we're kind of collaborating a little bit now and I'm getting really excited about doing some stuff with him because he's got some programs and we're kind of developing, you know, looking at some programs for youth yeah. and, uh, you know, the stuff that, that I look back and, you know, the, the things that I didn't do and the trust, the trust in myself and the confidence and, you know, those those things that I, that, that kind of happened to me, I, I look at those and go, I don't want those to happen to anyone else. Mm-hmm. If we can help them, you know, develop some skills a little bit younger too. Right. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's kind of what we're working on. And then the podcast honestly is really just, you know, I'm just super interested in talking to people, uh, because, you know, i so just having talked to a lot of people now, you know, everybody's got a story. And to me, mm-hmm. I just want to, you know, share stories of resilience and overcoming obstacles and, you know, and with yourself and, and, you know, just even getting to the big leagues and, you know, uh, you, the process that you use to get to where you are and, you know, just, uh, trying to inspire people, give people tools to, to help, you know, uh, in any way I can, especially, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm I'm really, I'm really kind of motivated by the mental side of things. And, and it just fascinates me, the brain and the more that I've learned about the brain and, and I don't have the formal education, but I feel like I'm a, I'm a, I'm kind of a really, uh, I'm a really passionate student on my own. So yeah. I've learned a well, lot. You have, your own experiences can lead to education. Yeah. So I've got the experience. Um, yeah. And I know you talk about that in your book too, uh, about uh, having the experience, um, having the education, but also having the experience mm-hmm. of actually, you know, going through some stuff and, and learning how to deal with it and, and it actually working, you know? And so, yeah, mm-hmm. that's all that stuff's inspiring to me, man. So, I, cool. uh, yeah. So I just, uh, I just really wanted to reach out to you and, and your book was, uh, you know, your book was great. I, you know, it's funny because, uh, 
when I was, I, I got the audio version first because I do a mm -hmm. lot of walking. And so, and I just, I love podcasts and listening to the audio books. Mm -hmm. um, I just listened to uh, Mike Matheny's book uh, recently mm -hmm. too. So uh, that interesting book too. But uh, with yours, uh, be, what I, what I found, you know, really amazing about your book was that you were the narrator. So honestly, man, it felt like you were, you know, and I guess that was probably the point, but I just felt like I was right there with you and, uh, because mm -hmm. it was you talking, you know, and, and telling your story. So that was a lot different than a lot of the other books that, uh, on the audio. That's why so. I did it, Brad. Yeah. That was uh, 20 hours of recording and spring training, oh, but yeah. I wouldn't have it any other way. I didn't, I I've listened to, um, a couple of, you know, like, uh, Carol Dweck, Dweck or some other, you know, and I, I anticipate the voice connecting with the author and it didn't. And it was just kind of like, ah, mm -hmm. so I appreciate that feedback. It was, that's pretty much shared by people and it was well worth the time to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it just really, uh, makes it more personal too. Right. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it because it's, you know, talking to you now, I, I honestly feel like I've already kind of talked to you, even though I hadn't talked to you before today, you know? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. That's yeah. great. That's awesome, cool. man. So yeah. Um, I'm sure, you know, most people are familiar with who Bob Tewksbury is, but, uh, um, just to, uh, you know, this isn't like super formal. I, I like, I like to just kind of have conversations and, and just see how it flows. But I mm -hmm. do, you know, just want to talk a little bit about your baseball career just to, because I think that's important, uh, you know, with the story and your, so you're in your 13 years in the big leagues. And I think you were, you were 18 years in professional baseball. 18 or 19. Yeah. 18. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Cool. And, 18 years. And, uh, yeah, it went by fast. Yeah. <laughs> so how, how old were you? When you first signed uh, your first contract, I was twenty. You're twenty. Um, yeah, I was twenty. I, I have a November birthday, so it was signed in uh, nineteen June of nineteen eighty one. So I was twenty and uh, went to Oneonta, New York, to play in the New York Penn League, which was really fun. Um, chance to connect with. I went to a small school and. Florida Division Two, and I was playing with guys from, you know, Mike Palarulo went to Miami, and Scott Bradley went to North Carolina, and those guys, we would all get together in, in the big leagues, um, but it was just pretty, pretty incredible, and, you, you know, you're finally getting the chance to do what you'd always hoped to do, yeah. so that was yeah. fun, yeah, nice. um, so riding the buses in upstate New York, hitting a deer on occasion in the middle of the night, <laughs> uh, yeah, having to pull over. And yeah, it was uh, some great stories up there of everyone kind of figuring out, trying to figure out life as a baseball player. And it was fun. Yeah. And like, maybe I'll just uh, back up a little bit, but maybe, uh, you know, uh, you talk, or, you know, you hear stories about people who have, you know, made it to the, uh, to the pinnacle, the major leagues. And just wondering, were you always, uh, you know, the best player on the team when you were growing up or how did that kind of morph for you into, I know it's a lot of hard work in that, but you know, sometimes it just, it, we all kind of, we all kind of, uh, grow differently and some peak early mm -hmm. some peak late and i know i was a uh, I peaked pretty early in my uh baseball career but uh <laughs> yeah um but you know, there's a lot of early bloomers for sure yeah. and uh yeah so how, how was that uh, for you well i i think definitely was when i was younger i think um you know through little league and babe ruth and high school i was you know one of the best players and then um Obviously, that leads to potential college opportunity. Um, and, you know, I went to uh, Rutgers University uh, out of high school, which was a big step for me. And, um, you know, I was only there for the fall term. I got homestead, 
homesick and dropped out and went back and worked at a, a bird seed factory back in New Hampshire and and then um, transferred to St. Leo in January of uh, 79, I believe. So, and then when I got there, I, I still um, felt like I didn't throw as hard as some of the other guys, but I felt like I pitched better. And um, so I guess I've always been a little ahead of the curve, but not because of, you know, my velocity, but just because I think I really, I loved playing. I, it was, you know, I did all the little things. I loved fielding. I'd take extra fielding practice or play pepper or, you know, when I got to the big leagues, I'd work on my batting and, um, and bunting in particular. And, um, and so, you know, doing all the little things that contributed to my success, um, you know, and certainly when I got to probably the double A level, uh, in the minor leagues, that's when I think that talent kind of levels out and, and, um, you know, you've got a, that's kind of the litmus test for guys getting to the big leagues. If you can succeed at that level, you're probably going to get a shot in the big leagues. Now, right. how long that shot is or what the opportunity is, is different for everybody. But, um, you know, and then as you know, through that time, there was a couple of surgeries and mm -hmm. uh, some demotions and challenges. And, you know, and that just, you know, my velocity changed, but it just uh, enhanced the little things, you know, right. the little things. I love that little things aren't so little. And so that's uh, a long answer to your no. short question, but <laughs> that's kind of what happened. No, that's great because, you know, I, I, uh, I agree with that too. And, you know, you kind of got to, the people that succeed in whatever it is, life in general, right. In business or, or sports you know you kind of it's the people that because everybody has at some point some kind of uh of obstacle and mm -hmm. you know those obstacles it's 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 really what you you know what you you do the best with what you have right instead of mm -hmm. you know you don't look at the the problem you you know you got to look at the solution so i think uh, those those are the people that tend to be you know, get, uh, be successful. Cause even if you're at that level, if you don't, if you don't look at it that way, you're probably, you know, you might get left behind. So. No, I mean that look that, you know, I tell guys a lot, um, you know, there's only been 25 perfect games in the history of baseball over, you know, hundreds of hundreds of thousands of games. I think it's like 200,000 games. I'm not sure, but over 135 years of baseball, and but yet pitchers still go out and expect things to be perfect you know they expect the umpire to not miss any calls or for good pitches to not be hit um, for players to make the plays and so i've you know i tell pitchers they should expect that there's going to be one or two or three obstacles if you will that they're going to face when they're out on the mound and it's the same with us in our life, you know, yeah. a bump, yeah. a bump is going to come and we should expect it saying, all right, well, this is part of life. I got to deal with it. And that's the ability to cope. And, um, everyone has different abilities to cope and, uh, that's what makes, uh, makes things challenging. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that kind of, that's a good, uh, that's a good lead in, uh, to maybe start, uh, just even talking about your book, because at the beginning you talk about, um, breath and breathing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so do you think that is, you know, as far as having those obstacles and, and one of the things, and I mean, I, I practice that in my life now because of the, my experience and, and learning to, you know, live in the present moment as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And I find that breathing is the one thing that at any time you have, you know, I find that, you know, uh, I can bring myself back to the present moment by focusing on my breath. And, uh, mm -hmm. it's kind of, uh, you know, one of the first things that you talk about in your book breathing. So just kind of, you know, what's, what's your thought on, on that? 
Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it, it's something that um, it's something that we take for granted. I think as athletes, and and I think in in life, uh, we take for granted in the sense that we don't always use it as a tool that can help us. Um, you know, so for example, I, I think you know in the in the book, it's a more of an introduction to the. Uh, for imagery to work successfully, you know, your body needs to be relaxed, your mind needs to be calm so that, you know, you can imagine the, the pictures and images and whatever it is that you're, you know, imagining and you're working on, whether it's giving a speech or uh, pitching a game or hitting a ball or playing golf or whatever it is. Um, so, so the bre the breath part became uh, you know something that I used a lot in my imagery, but it also was something that I used in performance when I got behind in the count, you know, two balls and no strikes, or three balls and one strike, that where I had started to feel a little tense or anxious, I would step off and take a breath, and so that became my routine, and um, and I've it's. It, it mostly was used in performance. I don't think that I really used it a lot in life, but I've used it a lot now with, you know, things that happen out of your control. Someone cuts you off in traffic and <laughs> yeah. flipping them off. It's like, okay, take a breath. And, right. You know, the plane's delayed or there's traffic or whatever it is. And, um, and it's interesting because I, I've been able to observe a lot of people in my travels at the airports and stuff, and you can see how people can get frazzled. Traveling is not a fun experience yeah. um, in general, but it's amazing it goes as smoothly as it does. Yes. But yes. I, I watch people and observe their behaviors and then think, how am I reacting to this? And um, so it's really helped me personally, and it's something that I – you know, continue to do on a regular basis and just to take some good deep breaths. And I think that's why meditation and yoga are so important is because it helps you practice those breaths, which help you, you know, you kind of build up a reserve that can help you later when those situations arise. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, t I think uh, just, you know, again, from my experience and the stuff that I've learned now and the stuff that i practice all those all those external um external things that happen you know we can't control them a lot of the time and those are the things that you know a lot of people like you said when people are traveling or you know someone cuts you off and you you know you you get angry and and uh, i think that's like a, a a major roadblock uh, just kind of human nature to to let those things kind of bother you unless you consciously, you know, have that, you know, knowledge or sk a skill. Like it is a skill, I guess, to to not let the external uh, environments uh, affect you as much because mm -hmm. it's just our perception, right, of of what's happening as opposed yeah, well, to you know we can't control it. So you know why worry about it, but it's human nature. We do that. So I think that's a big no, skill. To have. I, yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off before I lose my train of thought here. Yeah. But so all of those, you know, there's an event and there's our perception of the event, which causes the reaction. And then there's the response and there's a gap in between the, the initial feeling and the response and, you know, meditation and mindfulness and, um, breathing is can fill that gap between our initial response much of the time, which is hardwired. You know, I mean, right. if someone cuts you off in traffic, you know, you're automatically, it's the fight or flight reaction kicks in. You can't stop that. Yes. But then you yeah. can pause before you respond. And I think, you know, kind of lengthening that gap um, before you respond is is calmness and and uh, and it happens by by your breathing and it makes life a lot easier that's yeah. for sure <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely 
it's a lot uh, less stress on the body and the inside of your body as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, I mean, I can t- obviously tell how you know passionate you are, and I've read your book and I've listened to your book. But uh, you know, what do you what do you think it was that me that that kind of you were drawn to to writing this book, you know, and, and being a part of the, you know, the mental skills side of baseball, as opposed to, you know, coaching the physical skills, like being an actual coach or manager. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what kind of, what do you think that was that, you know, motivated you to do that? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good question. And, um, a fair question. I, when I stopped pitching, I, one thing that I knew was that I didn't want to be a coach. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd spent 18 years professionally. I understand it's a hard life. Uh, it's a grind. And, um, and if you don't enjoy it, then it's even worse. And um, I started to not enjoy it as a player. And so I couldn't imagine doing that as a coach. And then I had young family and I wasn't mm-hmm. going to be away from them. So, um, so I just, I was, I was working as a consultant with the Red Sox, just as a pitching consultant, uh, talking with minor league prospects and just kind of being a, around and a resource. And uh, and then that led me to, you know, the field of sports psychology. There was uh, a program at Boston University that uh, I found out about, and I thought, wow, if I could do this, maybe I could create my own niche here, you know, with, yeah. with background. And so I waited two years, finally did that. That took a, about a year, you know, I was, uh, commuting from, from New Hampshire down and, um, and then in 04, I, I finished my schooling and they hired me as the, to do the mental skills with the Red Sox. So, um, and here I am now. And, and so, but the book, I had um, really didn't start thinking about a book until after I had retired and started graduate school. And it was, I was torn if it was going to be a pitching book or a mental skills book or a combination of both. And so I, this, this is my third attempt at this third and last actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so, so long story short, I, I had a, a ton of material because I journaled a lot when I played and I had videos that I could look back and recall pitch to pitch, like the perfect game. You know, I, I had a a log of that, but I also went back and watched that or near perfect game. Right. I was able to watch that and understand the thought process behind each pitch. Um, So I had a lot of that and, and um, could never find a direction or a narrative that, I was going to go to, and I had a uh, two writers try to help me with that. One proposal didn't get worked out, and I just kind of said, "All right, well, it's not going to work." And then I got a call from a book agent, uh, Rob Kirkpatrick in New York, that had was dusting off some notes from a discussion two years earlier with somebody about the book and my idea, and and uh we talked and found a great writer and scott miller at, at the bleacher report and came up with a a narrative that of how to tell my story through mental skills kind of and uh and here we are so yeah 90 percent mental uh that's the, the the when when i spoke to the agent that first day he said i already know the title of the book so that was something <laughs> that had already been decided, but yeah, it was, it was really a lot of fun. Scott did a great job. Um, the people at Hachette books did a great job working together to, to make this happen. And it's been a good, good experience. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, you know, the 90% mental just so we can give a little plug here and I'll plug it at the end too, in the show notes, but 90% mental, uh, by Bob Tewksbury and Scott Miller, and it's available anywhere you can get your books like Amazon, uh, audible. I've listened to the audible. It's amazing. So we'll just do a little book plug and then we'll, we'll also plug it again at the end. Cause, uh, it's an amazing read or amazing. Listen, uh, however you prefer to, uh, have your books, but, uh, yeah. So 
I think what have we got? We got a bit more time, so sure. Yeah, it was just uh, you know I have I got a lot of questions and I, I wrote a whole bunch of things down. Just uh, you know, looking at the diff the history of the mental skills, uh, you know, kind of programs in Major League Baseball and and kind of how they started. Uh, you know, with uh, I, I wrote down, you know, Coleman Griffith with the Cubs sure. in 1938 and how, you know, how the, what the struggle was like there trying to initiate that uh, program. And then mm-hmm. Harvey Dorfman, who you talk about a lot in your uh, in your book, and he's written written a couple books. He's the mental game of baseball and the mental ABCs of pitching. Yes, that's mm-hmm. Harvey Dorfman. Yeah. And, yep. uh, like you said, he's been around since the eighties and yeah. And Ken Revisa and Charlie Mayer, but mm-hmm. you know, to me, just reading the stuff that I've read and I mean, you're, you're the, you know, one of the, the few that's kind of out there that, that I notice. I mean, if you search, you can find them, but the mental skills coach coaches for, uh, major league baseball, you're, you know, you seem to be kind of leading the charge for that and you know how do you see that uh how do you see that going I know that most of the teams now have mental skills coaches but is it is it just accepted now and does everyone do it or or is it kind of you know whoever wants it uh approaches you or so how how kind of does your job job go there with the Giants yeah yeah no well um yeah, the history of it does go back, and it wasn't very well received back when Coleman Griffith started it. Yeah. And, and the pioneers like Harvey and Ken and Charlie has certainly helped all of us get to the point where we're at. And it's a discipline that's really growing. You know, the uh, Applied Association of Sports Psychology, um, you know, has, a, has grown immensely over the years. Um, there's now certifications and, and college programs and more and more teams are looking to this as a, as a, uh, as a way to improve performance, to, to be that, um, you know, that competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the field's going to continue to grow. Um, I think that, you know, uh, play, I think former players are, teams are hiring former players just based on their experiences as kind of mentors, which yeah. is something that never happened before. Um, and I think that, you know, with as science continues to improve with MRIs and imaging and brain studies and neuroscience, I think that there'll be some, there'll be some interesting data that comes out of that with regard to performance and, um, so I'm I'm not sure where it's going, but I know it's growing and it's growing fast. And um, you know, being the only former major league player, well, actually, I shouldn't say that. There's a couple of other guys that had a little bit of time in the big leagues that have uh, gotten their degree, and I, I can't remember their names right now. But, yeah. yeah. So that's something that I kind of feel a little bit of a trailblazer in that regard because other players who have their college degree are, um, you know, continuing to look at this as something to do as a post-secondary career. So, um, yeah, it's good. And, you know, and I'm, you know, it's a tough job because um, not everyone is interested in it. You know, on a 25-man roster, there might be, they always say a third, a third, a third. So a third are interested, a third aren't interested, and a third are trying to figure it out. And, um, but even though I played, um, you know, it was a while ago, a lot of these kids, you know, they were in, you know, they were in little league when I played or, um, there's still a perception of this being a weakness or, you know, there's still a stigma with this, which is still kind of amazing. I mean, mm-hmm. it's improved, but uh, players, some, I've heard players, well, I don't want to be seen talking with Tukes or um, I don't want to talk to Tukes. I think part of it is when you work for a team, the players don't really know who you're talking to. You know, right. do you, 
So what's the confidentiality and, you know, are they going to somebody, are they going to say something that's used against them and contract or whatever? So I get it. Uh, just, it makes it more complicated um, to connect with the players, but as more and more players have this resource in the minor leagues, I think it'll help uh, the players that get to the big leagues have right. an understanding yeah. of, what the resource is and how it can be used. Yeah, no, I, you know, I, I can relate to that just, you know, f from looking at my, like I have the athletic experience too, but not at that level, but I look at it from the firefighting perspective and what happened to me and uh, you know, the stigma still around and it's a big stigma, you know, in the fire department and it's very similar to to the locker room and the athletic uh, stigma, right? The, you know, yeah. the old suck it up and, you know, I don't need that. Like I'm fine. I'll do my physical work and I, I do my mm -hmm. other training and, and I'm good. You know, I, I, I'm fine. And, and you know what, honestly, Bob, that's one of the things that motivates me exactly what you said. Um, but on a different level, uh, as far as, you know, even the ages, but when we, when you talked about having it uh, starting in the minor leagues. So when they get to the big leagues, it's just part of the normal thing that they do. It's not, it's not any, it's not any skin off their back. It's not anything. It's just something they do to, mm -hmm. to, to help them as a person, which helps them as a baseball player. So that's, mm -hmm. you know, really what's motivating me with the, with the youth athletes, you know, not necessarily super young, but I, you know, my, one of my passions is to try and help these kids just have some skills so that when they, as they grow up and as they have more challenges and as they, um, you know, do more athletics or, or whatever they choose to do in life, they just, it kind of just makes it a normal thing to talk about, even if it is just talking about it or, you know, knowing that, Hey, it's okay to talk. Like everyone has feelings. We're human. That's why we that's why, you know, that's what makes us human. So, and it's okay to feel certain ways and have those emotions and then we can deal with them. But, you know, that's, that's how I relate to exactly to what you're saying. It's on a different scale, but you know, if you no, can make it's... yours more regular in the minors, when they get to that major leagues, then yeah, then it's just something they do. And I, you know, focusing on that with the kids. And so I, I totally understand what you're getting because really you want to make them or give them the tools and help them be better humans for life. Right. Because, right. you know, how yeah. many, how many people do make it to even professional baseball and then major leagues, the, the numbers, you know, college baseball or high school baseball, college baseball, minor leagues and, mm -hmm. and majors, the, the numbers dwindle. So, you know, really it's about, you know, helping them uh, building better humans, right. For, yeah, no, it's about life skills. You know, all of the, you know, they always talked about athletics as a metaphor for life and challenges. And, and so if that's really true, then, you know, understanding how mental skills can improve athletic performance should also be a reason or a vehicle to improve coping skills in life, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, all the things like, you know, that are in the book. I, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal today about how um, baseball, what's the article? Is it Trouble at Work? Baseball is here to help. It's um, by Sue Schellenbarger. Um, and it's about how baseball men mental skills can be applicable to people in other fields, you know, right. other domains of, of um, you know, I mean, people that are, you know, giving a presentation or doing a, a driving test or auditioning for a role in TV or, um, you know, sales calls or anything like that. Um, you know, these are all things that dealing with delays at, you know, the airport, you know, mm -hmm. these are things that are life skills that can be used over time. And I think, you know, the more that we do that, the more that you know, you are on your mission and we're all trying to help. Uh, I, I think it, it, it may, it doesn't make life easier, yeah. but it makes yeah. coping with life easier. For sure. For sure. And, and like you said, baseball too is, 
baseball is such a different game than other sports um, because, and uh, you know, the, the, the person that I told you about uh, before that's really helped me and the guy that I'm working, doing some work with now, um, his company is called Point Eight Training and Development. And so he's he wrote a book about, you know, I think it was about almost 10 years ago now, but uh, the it's about life lessons in sports and raising happy, mm-hmm. healthy kids. But he talks about the different sports and how, uh, you know, some team sports, there, there's team sports and then he calls them t- pseudo team sports where mm-hmm. so the team sport is is kind of like you know a game like hockey or soccer or where you're actually working together like you're physically touching something to put it into the net or wherever that and you're working together as a team that way towards a common goal and where mm-hmm. a, like a pseudo team sport like baseball you're still working towards a a common goal but it's very individualized. Right. So the, 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 yeah. the toughness of it doesn't fit into like a sport like soccer or, or hockey, uh, where mm-hmm. you're actually kind of working together, even though you are working together, but it's very individualized. You're one-on-one with the pitcher. You're on the base by yourself. You're, you know, you're all those things. Right. So anyways, mm-hmm. it's just, it's interesting how the the life skills from baseball i can see how they could transfer into business because a lot of business is is you're you're by yourself right yeah yeah you're, no good point so, yeah yep anyways yep for sure but uh yeah um uh, good stuff yeah yeah and <laughs> just uh i have I, so many things that you know i kind of have come up for me even as we're talking but uh about your job right now. So you're with the San Francisco giants and mm-hmm. um, like, and we didn't, I just wanted to just ask you just briefly, like how we talked a little bit about how it's being accepted kind of by, you know, in major league baseball, but the players themselves are, are they very receptive, you know, to, to what you're doing. I know maybe we did talk about it actually a little bit there. Yeah. I think it depends on the player. Yeah. I I think that, um, you know, so it's a very, it's like a very individual preference. Some people, you know, we have a, the players have a chiropractor available to them at certain times and some players use them. Some players don't, you know, some players, uh, like to take anti-inflammatory medicine. Some players don't. And I kind of look at it as the same way. It's, you know, I'm here to provide a resource for you uh, as a, you know, if you need it. And, but if you don't, then that's okay. I mean, I don't, I don't uh, try to sell myself or push myself on anybody. I'm very hands off. They know, they know what I've done. They know what I do. And if they need some help, then I'm here. So I do a lot of, a lot of observing, um, I do a lot of sitting around, a lot of watching uh, baseball and, um, you know, to be ready when the time comes. And and um, sometimes days, some days are busier than others. And some days there's not a lot of activity for a whole road trip. So right. it just depends. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, I mean, it is like, like, you know, we just, I guess, been talking about it, but it's very individualized and you know once the once the hopefully one day when the there you know the stigma is reduced to almost nothing that it will just be it'll just be part of uh part of what we do you know and part of what you guys do in major league baseball and do you know about uh this is just a little bit off topic but do you know how how does major league baseball compare to the other professional leagues as far as mental skills, yeah. like, are they, um, I, I don't, I yeah. know that, I know that, um, that's provided for them. I actually know a couple of people that work for some NFL teams, but I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure about the NBA. I'm sure that there are staffed. I think every team kind of names it, you know, some people call it a uh, peak performance. Other people call it mental conditioning. Other people, 
you know, there's a different name for it within each team, and it's usually not on the website. If you right. look for it, you couldn't find it, so it's it's hard to tell. But yeah. um, but it's definitely growing, and it's um, you know it's, it's a good second field, and you know doing stuff like this to support you know and give um, you know inform people is awesome. Yeah. Well, and I mean, yeah. And I just wanted to, again, say like, I completely a hundred percent admire what you're doing, man, because like, you know, and you mentioned it too, but you are definitely, you know, a trailblazer and seem to be the, the one name that's out there that, you know, is truly trying to, and I'm not saying that anyone else isn't trying to help, but you, you know, your name is the one that's out there. And, you know, you're writing the books and you're, you know, you're in social media. And Mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, for that, man, I just, uh, I think what you're doing is invaluable. And, uh, you know, like you said, it's a tough, it's a tough sell. And to just be able to be there uh, to support those guys too, when it's, when I know I, you know, you probably want to help everybody, right? Because that's just the type of person that you are. But, you know, for you to just be able to, you know, kind of just let people do their thing. And because, yeah, you don't want to, to try and force anyone. Cause uh, especially if they don't want to talk about anything, then it's just going to drive them away. But I commend you for what you're doing, man. And it's, uh, I love it. And I just, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, I can keep in contact with you and yeah, and, man, let's uh, do it again. Yeah. yeah. Let's, yeah. I'd love to, let's stay in touch again. I'm sure there'll be other things that happen and other, um, you know, questions that you'll have that'll, uh, you know, come up. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I'd love to be on again, Brad. That'd okay. be good. That'd be awesome. And, uh, just, uh, just to, to close it off here, do you, I just kind of wanted to see, do you have any, like maybe, you know, one piece of advice that, you know, somebody maybe gave you when you were, you know, looking for something or, you know, you got any mm. kind of, I don't know if anyone's asked you that before, but just, or maybe even, you know, not, uh, uh, I know we can recommend your book and I'll, I'll do that again, but, uh, or any books that you, you would say, you know, someone just kind of maybe wants to little, little motivation or whatever, like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, well, I mean, some of my, my favorite, one of my favorite books is the inner game of tennis by Tim Galway. It's been around a long, long time. And, uh, it's really amazing. It's not, it's about tennis, but it's about, it's about life and performance. And, um, you know, Terry Orlick, he's a Canadian guy, uh, Terry O R L I C K has a lot of tons and tons of stuff about mental skills and, and sports psychology and coaching and, uh, stuff is really good. Um, you know, the Mindset book by Carol uh, Dweck, D-W-E-C-K, I believe, is really a powerful book. So, you know, um, you know, I think I, I can just remember the, the one advice that um, I can say and give to you on this is when I, whenever I talk to Harvey Dorfman, and you know, we miss him, he passed away a couple of years ago now, mm. um, but he would always had a saying that when he talked to players and when he talked to people, he always signed off by saying, be good to yourself. Right. And, um, and I think that's a good reminder is that, you know, no matter where we are, what's going on, you know, good days and bad days, just continue to be good to yourself and give yourself a break. Uh, I think that's how I'll sign off. Be yeah. good to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that's a that's a great way to end it. And uh again, you know, thank you. Thank you, you know, for taking the time out of your busy schedule. I know you gotta go to the ballpark today and uh, you know, I have to say I'm a little bit envious, but uh, we don't have a baseball team up here, but I try and get down to Seattle as much as possible. Yeah. And, they're doing uh, well. Yeah. But uh yeah, man, thank you again and uh all right, take Brad. care of yourself and be good to yourself. And I'm going to be good to myself today. Awesome. I love it. We'll talk to you again. Let's do it again. Okay. Thanks, Bob. You got it. All right. See ya. Bye. All right. There you have it. What'd you guys think? Please 
when you're on iTunes or when you're on Podbean, like the podcast, give me some feedback. Honestly, this I'm still getting used to uh, interviewing people. So, you know, I know it's more of a conversation and that's the way I really want it to be. But I do enjoy some feedback and some constructive criticism or whatever you want to give me. I, I, I really, uh, you know, don't take any offense to it. So please give me some feedback, like the podcast, share the podcast. And I just really hope you enjoyed the conversation with Bob. He's a great guy, super passionate about what he's doing and he's trying to lead the charge. And, you know, in this mental health world where it's still got a little bit of stigma in a professional sports arena, you know, as well as where I came from in the fire hall and, you know, hopefully we're all of us that are trying to do, trying to help make mental health and dealing with mental health just normal part of the way that we live and not such a big deal to talk about because we are all human. Anyways, yeah, thanks thanks again for listening and I got a couple podcasts coming up couple in the bank, a couple conversations coming up next week. I'm super excited about it. I hope you guys are excited about it. So please stay tuned. Follow me on Instagram at fit for brains or at beyond the big red truck. Uh, we got a Facebook page. We got a new website coming up. Should be out this week or today's Friday, but should be out next week. Hopefully, maybe, we'll see. I'll let you know. And like Bob said, to be good to yourself. Give yourself a break. I'm Brad, and this is Beyond the Big Red Truck Podcast. <laughs>